I dated only one person seriously before my wife. We were together officially less than a year, but the on-ramp that led us to being official in the first place was long, and so our breakup, unexpected by me, was painful and messy. I like you more and more every day, she said, but I could never marry you, so I need to get out now. Thank you? That was on a Friday, the week after Valentine's Day. On Sunday, we had to sit across from each other when a large group of college students went out for Sunday dinner and none of them knew we'd broken up. They saved us seats. That afternoon, I beat a tree with a baseball bat in Andy's backyard. See, our lives had been pretty integrated for a while. We led a small group together at church before we dated, while we dated, and then for a while after we dated. Awkward moments abounded. We needed to find space from each other. Around the same time, my friend, we'll call her Jay, and I began preparing a short-term mission trip to the United Kingdom. We advertised, built a team, and started raising money. The early meetings had a lot of people, all excited to take two weeks of their summer break for this adventure. It looked like we'd take at least ten people, maybe more, and so it was no big deal that my recently ex-girlfriend was on the list. It might be a little awkward, sure, but surely by August we'd be a bit better and there were enough people to create a buffer between us if necessary. A student from the high school I taught at was joining us, several of my good friends. It was all good. It would be good. In fact, when it would come time for the trip, we will have had almost three months without seeing each other at all. Some good space to heal. We even did one other thing to try and make it all okay. I had long dreamed of attending Cornerstone, the music festival that used to be held in Bushnell, Illinois. My ex-girlfriend lived kind of close to there, so we made a plan for her to pick me up at the airport when I flew there. I'd see her for half a day, we'd make sure everything was cool, and then I'd go to the festival with some people from her church. It somehow made sense to us then, even if it doesn't now. She and her mom picked me up at the airport. That threw me a little. Her mom had never liked me, for some reason, even telling her daughter once, he's nice, but not the kind of guy who will ever be able to provide you with a house. Needless to say, the car ride around Indianapolis after pickup was filled with awkward silences. But even so, I'll never understand the thought process behind, well, behind how her mom decided to break the silence. So, John, did I ever tell you about the night my daughter was conceived? Mom, my ex said, horrified. Um, no, I said, honestly, but with a tone meant to convey a complete lack of interest in any follow-up to that question. Well, we were living in South America, and her father had been away for about six weeks, and let's just say I had missed him very much. Mom, she said again, while I, well, probably said nothing. I mean, what would you have said? Believe it or not, that's not the reason for this story. That little trip to visit my ex felt successful, so we proceeded at peace with the idea of being on this trip together. Then, suddenly, people began to drop out. Jay learned that she could only help lead half the trip, as she had to return early for work. One friend decided they couldn't come up with the money. Someone else made other plans. Another's parents said no. The team whittled down and down, and down, and one week before we were supposed to leave, I called the missions director at church. Danny, I said, we have kind of a problem with our UK trip. 
Okay, what's that? Well, people have dropped out, and now we only have four people. Jay and I leading, my student, and my ex-girlfriend. Jay has to leave after the first week, and my student is about $1,000 short. If he doesn't come up with the money in the next two days, it'll just be me and my ex-girlfriend for the second week of this trip. There was a pause. You're kidding me. No, no, that, that's what's happened. Another pause. Well, we'll have to come up with the money somehow. Somehow, they did. My student's trip miraculously got paid for, but that only slightly helped. This had gone from a trip I was excited about to one I was dreading. A team of four wasn't much buffer, and a team of three, one of them being a high school kid who knew he was in an awkward situation, was even less. And the first days of the trip confirmed that this wasn't the best setup for my first shot at leading a short-term team. It quickly became clear that while we had a great plan, Jay and I were not on the same page about some of the trip goals. She dealt with this conflict by becoming a little controlling and pushy. I dealt with it through passive-aggressive moodiness. On many days, we ended up splitting into two groups. Jay and the ex I wasn't really over, me with my high school student. So we were not the world's most effective missionary team. But that's okay. God can redeem anything, even our melodramatic messiness. Around the midpoint of Jay's week with the team, we went to Edinburgh Castle to prayer walk. An imposing stone behemoth atop a hill overlooking the city, the castle is both an impressive sight and a key symbol of Scotland itself. The previous year, the castle had received back from England the Stone of Destiny, which sounds like something from a cheesy martial arts movie, but is in fact a stone that was used for the inauguration of Scottish kings for centuries, until the King of England swiped it in the 1200s and insultingly had it built into his throne in Westminster. Now it had finally been returned, centuries later. We'd had some encouraging and enlightening conversations with local pastors about the nation, and we were ready to walk around this key site and pray for God to move in Scotland. Also, we were all getting on each other's nerves and not really talking. It was a great mission trip. We got inside the castle grounds. Okay, said Jay. I'm taking her, and we'll go this way. You boys go that way. We'll meet you back in like an hour. She was clearly annoyed. Fine, I said. My student and I started walking around, praying for the nation. A particular focus at this site was unity. If the name of the country was the United Kingdom, and that unity is continually being challenged with divisions, it seemed important to pray into. So we eventually ended up in St. Margaret's Chapel, a small and simple stone room tucked away in a corner of the castle. We sat down on a bench, prayed for God to heal the divisions between the English and the Scots, the English and the Irish, and so on. A funny thing to be praying for unity when we didn't really have it ourselves. We finished. It seemed like a natural time to leave the room. But suddenly, I had an impulse, a feeling that seemed to come out of nowhere, telling me that we needed to stay right there. Now, I have a pretty poor track record on obeying those impulses, which usually turn out to be the Holy Spirit, nudging me towards something, something good, something he wants to do. More often than not, 
I argue the impulse into silence. But the times I have obeyed, well, I've never regretted it. We need to stay, I said to my student, though we had nothing more to pray. Okay, he said, and we sat back down on the bench. Moments passed. The impulse grew, nudged me towards pulling out my Bible and reading aloud. So I did. After some flipping and fiddling, I settled on a passage and began to read, loud enough for my student to hear, but not loud enough to really bother anyone else. As I read, a woman entered the room, eyes focused on the front of the chapel. She stood as if wondering what to do, and her eyes scanned the room. They stopped on us, standing by a bench, Bible in hand, reading. They widened. She approached us. Excuse me, are, are you guys praying? Yes. That, that's amazing. Maybe I could join you? See, the thing is, uh, I'm, well, I'm a charismatic Catholic. Well, I was given a word from God to come here to this chapel today, at this time. And I'm supposed to pray for healing for the divisions between Scotland and England. Whoa, I thought. That's what we're praying for, I said. It was amazing, a perspective changer. We went outside with the woman and she told us a little of her story and that she was battling cancer. We prayed with her for the nation, for unity, but also for her healing. She was encouraged. We were encouraged. And since this was before mobile phones, she left and we never saw or heard from her again. Was she healed? I'd like to believe so. But maybe God orchestrated this encounter for us. It was a breath of air on a stressful trip. It was a grace saying, I know you don't have everything together and this is very messy, but I am in it and I am with you. My love for this nation is bigger than your mess and immaturity. After our time was up, we hurried back to the meeting spot. The girls seemed more relaxed and happier. How was it? Jay asked. You'll never guess what happened. everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed that story. Welcome to another episode of Stories and Stuff with John. I'm John. That was a story. And now for some stuff. I do have a guest with me in the studio this week. Uh, my guest this week is Ira. Say hi. Hi. And Ira, how long have we known each other? Oh, man. <laughs> well, it's like 20 something years, right? 25 yes. years yes. about that. And uh, in what capacity do we know each other? As I recall, um, about 21 years ago, we've married. Oh, yes, <laughs> this is my wife, Ira, everyone. Um, privileged to have her in the studio with us today. Um, a couple things that we're going to talk about. She's going to tell us a story here in a second. But one thing that she's been doing lately is working on some art. And I wanted her to tell us about that because it's really cool. So the project that I'm working on right now is about the father's heart of God and the series of pictures depict different roles of fathers 
um, here on Earth. So for example, I have a drawing of um, a father carrying a child on his shoulders. And um, I focus only on the parts where you can see hands. So basically, it's a series of drawings of focusing on the hands. And the hands are demonstrating something about God's father heart. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So some of the examples here are um, father carrying a child on his shoulders or putting, putting a Band-Aid on a um, cut on the knee, um, giving a fist bump to a baby-sized um, little hand. That just speaks to me, God's celebration uh, over our tiny, tiny victories. <laughs> but he's still being so proud of us. Uh, yeah, these are amazing. Do you think that you're going to um, kind of display them all together like as one thing? Yes, it's definitely one piece of art depicting different aspects of God. Well, I hope you. I hope that a lot of our listeners get to see these because they are amazing. I'll try and post them online. Now, um, I just finished telling a story that did involve some awkward interactions with an ex-girlfriend. And we also um, have been doing stories about God speaking to us in unusual ways, which came up in this story as well. So uh, Ira has a story for us um, about something kind of different, but kind of similar that happened when God spoke to her early in her walk. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. I can't remember what year it was, but I was already a Christian. And uh, one of the guys from my church um, started showing interest in me and going after me. I tried to like say no several times in gentle way, but he persisted. So um, the one time that we actually had a very serious conversation, I asked him, like, how do I know that it's the right thing? I don't feel that way. And he just basically said he prayed and he heard God saying that we must date. Uh-oh. <laughs> For those of us uh, out there who may not know this, that is a sign of danger, danger, <laughs> danger. Um, God does not speak that to just one person. <laughs> Both of you need to know. Well, as uh, you said, I was just, you know, learning how to walk with God and hear his voice. So I was really taken back by that statement. And I definitely did not want to disobey God. But my problem was that I hardly knew the guy. I wasn't interested in, in him at all whatsoever. Uh, but then we also really never spent time together. So I didn't know him. So, but because he heard God so clearly... Um, I said that I will take time to pray and seek him as well. And as I was walking uh, one day, waiting for the bus, I was walking up and down the street. And a song just started playing out on the streets, uh, which is very common in um, Uzbekistan and Tashkent. Just different businesses start blasting music Um for everyone to hear and that song was actually in English and the lyrics went how can we be lovers if we're not even friends and I did not hear the rest of the words that was <laughs> God <laughs> speaking to me audibly <laughs> through um, this singer I don't know even who it is but I it was yeah it was like God speaking over Jesus when he was being baptized. There was no questions for me 
about that. So, um, so you took that to me, Mike. <laughs> this was a sign that this what guy what this guy was hearing was not was not right because you weren't even friends. So how could you mm-hmm. like the the word lover is just kind of well, you know <laughs> that's but that's how the lyrics went, and I took it and it spoke to my heart and released me from the obligations, I guess. <laughs> that was, that guy was putting me under. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story and thanks for being on the show today. That's my pleasure. So that's my wife, everyone. And yes, I am a very fortunate guy. Um, so we're going to make that our feedback question this week. Have you had any awkward interactions with an ex or with someone who is trying to pursue you? I would love to hear some stories of awkward interactions where you ended up in a situation with an ex that kind of was beyond your control or an awkward interaction with someone who was pursuing you and wasn't quite doing it the way that uh, that uh, was a blessing to everyone. So I would love to hear some funny stories there. Feel free to share names, details, uh, contact information for the exes so that we can get their side of the story. And I did want to provide some um, of your feedback from the last question. A lot of you wrote in on this one, and so that was cool. Um, I'm going to share some of those now. We were just talking about if you are in a situation where, for some reason, for the rest of your life, you are only allowed to watch the same 10 movies over and over again. No new movies ever. What movies would, would you pick? What are the ones with longevity that you won't get sick of? So a few of you wrote in. Uh, Rachel says that she would pick The Princess Bride, all of the Lord of the Rings movies. She talked about how they hold up even after 20 years. And uh, a good musical, she suggested maybe Oklahoma. She especially said her favorite part was where the hero uh, sings a song trying to convince the quote-unquote villain to take his own life. Um, She just loves that kind of thing. No, she didn't actually say that. She did say that the plot was a little bit weird, and and it is. It is a little bit weird. I didn't really realize it till recently. That was my favorite song from that musical as a kid because it just was in a minor key and sounded really cool. And um, now, only later do I realize how messed up that is. Kara uh, mentioned uh, three movies, um, Airplane, Young Frankenstein, and The Passion of the Christ, classic um, one of these things does not belong list right there. Um, I wonder what a mashup of those would look like. Please please don't think about that too much. She also mentioned a TV show, but I'm not going to say it because we've got a TV show question coming up in the next episode and we'll save it for that. And then Lindsay mentioned uh, Raising Arizona or maybe The Big Lebowski and also The Princess Bride. I, su- I suspect that The Princess Bride would end up on a lot of people's lists. Um, not mine, though. It's a great movie. I don't think it would make my 10, though. Uh, so anyway, that's our show. If you would like to write in with your awkward ex stories, please write stories and stuff with John at gmail.com. That's stories and stuff with John at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.